welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. In 1965, I went to a party on Far Island given by Truman Capote. I was reasonably successful as a scriptwriter with the accoutrements that came with that. I had a Mercedes, lived on the east side of New York, and dated some lovely women. I left the party to go down the hall to the bathroom, and on the way back, I stopped next to an antique Italian mirror and looked down the hall. Framed in the doorway, I saw the room filled with notable people. I looked into the mirror and spontaneously, with no plan or thought to say it, said, you are becoming a very unattractive person. Your values are all screwed up. I left the party, sat up all night on the beach, took the ferry back, got in my car, and drove to my family's Tidewater, Virginia farm. It is the only time in my life I have ever been really depressed. I just didn't know what to do, yet I knew I was doing something wrong. I just couldn't figure out what it was. I had been at the farm for several weeks when one afternoon I was sitting on the porch of the house that looked out over the bay. I looked up and there was a couple walking down a crepe myrtle alley. My family's property was at the end of a seven-mile school bus road, only partially paved at the time, and our lane was nearly a mile long. So this was not a place you got to casually. I didn't expect to see middle-aged strangers walking in the gardens, particularly strangers dressed as if they were on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. The man wore a double-breasted gray suit, and the woman was in a very smart linen dress. When they saw me looking at them, they came over, walked up the steps to the porch, and I opened the screen door. The woman stepped in, but instead of introducing herself, she asked, do you believe in reincarnation? It was so unexpected, I just responded, I've never thought about it. I really don't know very much about it, but I think I probably do. It seems very symmetrical. I looked over to where cars parked, and there was no car. I asked, how did you get here? Why are you here? And she said, I had a dream that told me to come up and invite you to the Edgar Casey Foundation. Do you know who Edgar Casey is? When I said I didn't, she asked if I knew what clairvoyance was, and I told her no. She said Casey was a psychic who went into a trance and could get information on anything. I had never heard of such a thing. The whole conversation struck me as deeply weird. I still didn't know their names. I introduced myself and they introduced themselves as Ed and Paula Fitzgerald. I asked them to sit down and if they wanted some lemonade. When we were seated, I asked her again how they had gotten here. In the dream, she answered quite seriously. 
I could see where to turn to get here, and I wrote it down when I woke up, and we drove it. I came here to ask you, would you like to meet Thomas Jefferson? I had gone to the University of Virginia, founded by Mr. Jefferson, as he was called. I could not think how she could know this. There were no computers, no internet in those days, and that question left me dumbfounded. All I could think to say, is he back? She said yes, and explained Casey affirmed reincarnation was real, and that he had given a reading for a boy saying he had been Thomas Jefferson. The whole experience was surreal, so out of the norm of my life, but there was something familiar about her husband. I remembered he had been pointed out to me at a movie festival when I was in New York. I asked him if he was the Ed Fitzgerald who had been the production designer on A Magnificent Seven, a very popular high-budget movie starring Yul Brenner. She said yes, and it gave them a kind of gravitas that can't be as crazy as they sound, I thought. As she was telling me this, a car came down the lane with a young couple and the Fitzgeralds got up. She asked me for my telephone number, which I gave her. I stared at the car as it went back down the lane and thought, what just happened? What I did not realize was that I was on a new course. About a week later, I got a call and a male voice said, this is Thomas Jefferson Davis, and I'd like to invite you down for the weekend in Virginia Beach. I was tired of being depressed and was up for anything, so I answered yes. And he gave me an address where I was met by a woman about my age who directed me to the ARE headquarters, what had once been the Casey Hospital. As we walked into the library, I saw that shelves along one of the walls were filled with green three-ring loose-leaf notebooks. I asked what they were, and she told me they were the transcriptions of what Casey called readings, which today I would call remote viewings or non-local perception sessions. As I walked down the wall at random, I pulled one of the notebooks off the shelf. It was a reading given in 1936 for a woman. Her name had been deleted and replaced with a number to preserve her anonymity. Casey told her that in a previous incarnation, she had been a member of the Essene community. From his description, I recognized the location as Kerbet Qumran, and he told her she had been a teacher of astrology. You know when they say your hair stands on end? It was so weird. The last thing that I had done when I had worked for National Geographic before being drafted into the Army was research for an article on the Dead Sea Scrolls. I knew that in 1936, nobody knew they existed, and nobody knew that Kerbet Qumran was an Essene community. 1936 was 11 years before the scrolls were discovered in 1947. A young Bedouin shepherd boy following his flock walked by a cave and chucked a rock in. He heard it go clunk and went into the cave to see why and found the urns containing the scrolls. As I read the mimeograph pages in the notebook, I knew that everything Casey said was correct, but unknown at the time that he said it. My question was, how could Casey possibly have known things 
11 years before the scrolls were found, the site excavated, before archaeology discovered there was an Essene community at Kerbet Qumran. And in that moment, I woke up and changed the course of my life. I was 24 years old, and in that moment, the study of consciousness became the sovereign interest of my life. I turned down a lucrative script-writing contract, moved to Virginia Beach, and with the help of Gladys Davis Turner, Edgar Cayce's lifelong secretary and archivist, began what became a five-year program to read in chronological order the 14,306 Casey readings and associated documentation that ARE had in its archives. Two years into this process, I decided I need to know what science had to say about phenomena like Edgar Casey's readings and systematically began to read every parapsychological journal, starting with the first issue of the Journal of Parapsychology, as well as the works of Gurdjieff, Uspensky, Blavatsky, Jung, Bailey, Steiner, and other leaders in the late 19th century, early 20th consciousness movement. In 1968, I decided that I would spend the rest of my life as an experimentalist doing research on consciousness, and that is what I have done even when I held positions such as special assistant to the chief of naval operations. I accepted this appointment because in 1970, I realized that if all consciousness was interconnected and interdependent, as I had been convinced it was, I needed to expand my consciousness research from the individual experience to include the social effects, and that if, as Max Planck said in 1931, consciousness is causal and fundamental. Understanding both that individual experience and the reality of culture were two facets of a unity. And that has been my life's work ever since. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode. Mm-hmm.